0: Welcome to the South African Birth Stories Podcast. I'm Julia and I will be your host for today's episode. Each week, either Megan or I will be bringing you mothers telling their stories of childbirth. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I interview Megan. Megan takes us through the birth of her baby boy, Ezra. Ezra was conceived by IVF, and so she takes us through that whole journey and how it looks and the ups and downs, and then he went on to be birthed at Genesis Maternity Clinic, and she really opens up about how that experience was not really what she expected and how emotional it all was, and she really shares her feelings on that. So it's a great episode, enjoy. Hi Megan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Right. so do you just wanna tell us a little bit about yourself and who's in your little family?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, my name is Megan, um, my husband is Marlon, um, my four, almost four month old son is Ezra. Um, and we live in Jo'burg with our two dogs, our two rescue dogs.
0: Sweet. Lovely. Okay, so jumping right into your pregnancy. Did you plan for this pregnancy? How did the bub come about?
1: Uh, we did. Um, it was, we were a lot more involved in the creation of this pregnancy than we would have liked, unfortunately. Um, it's we probably tried for about a year with no luck uh, before we ended up in a fertility clinic um, and so Ezra was conceived via IBF um, which was as I say not not really the process we would have preferred um, but we were lucky that it um, it happened quite quickly um, we we did one round of um, sort of the egg or the follicle stimulation, the egg retrieval, and um, we put the first embryo back, which unfortunately didn't stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then on our second round, we fell pregnant, which was um, we were really happy about because I don't think I mean that IVF like, process is, is pretty full on. Um, yeah, and if you, can, if you can cut it short at any stage, you know, that's obviously what you want. So we were lucky mm-hmm. that it was shorter than um, you know, it was mm-hmm. quite short.
0: So how long about did it take from start to when you fell pregnant?
1: Um, Well, actually from probably from the first visit to a positive pregnancy test was probably about a year um, because they try to sort of see what they can do to A, figure out why you're not falling pregnant naturally because, you know, we had done all of the necessary blood tests and semen analysis and age-wise we were all fine, health-wise we were fine. So the doctors sort of called it like an unexplained infertility, um, which truly I wish, like, I wish I had known how common it is. Um, It's. I mean, for the longest time, I felt like a failure as a woman, you know, because, you know, you just think, God, how how can this be so hard? I I tick all the boxes and, No, it's, it's ridiculous. We always do this to ourselves, right? We blame ourselves for things that are completely out of our control. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, it took about a year from start to finish. Um, That was including um, a small um, laparoscopy, I think it's called for them to check for endometriosis because often that can get in the way. Um, And so I had that um, and there was quite a, quite a, fair amount of endometriosis there. So they removed that and then they said, sort of give it a couple of months now, see if you can um, fall pregnant naturally now that that's gone um, and that didn't work. Um, and I can't I can't remember the exact details of it, but I think it had something to do with the fact that if they do find endometriosis, the chances of having um, in vitro um. It's called IVI I think it's in vitro insemination so when they just sort of drop the with like a little yeah. turkey baster and yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the chances of that being successful if you've had endometriosis aren't very good so the doctor said look just let's go straight to, to IVF so we started all of the follicle stimulation retrieval that whole spiel and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, all in all about a year of, of that fertility process, which is, wow. um, as I said before, not fun. No, um, quite a it's sort of, it's yes. <laughs> Yeah, and um, emotionally and physically, and it, mm-hmm. it felt like our lives sort of split into two, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. we had our normal life carrying on in one track, and then we had this crazy sort of fertility attempt in like a parallel stream. Where we were at the doctors at like six AM, waiting in a packed waiting room um, wow. to see the doctors to sort of scan to see where you are in your cycle and check hormone levels and all of that. And so we had this this sort of constant. Um, sorry, my dog's <laughs> <laughs> um, <Don't worry. laughs> and We had this constant um, sort of um, checklist of things that we were doing and had to check up on and I mean it apart from how grueling it is it honestly felt quite stressful because it's quite a lot of it's a lot of money to to spend it's um it's such an an in-depth process that you just think god if I if I do one thing wrong like if I forget this one tablet or injection or I do it at the wrong time like am I gonna you know wreck everything that we've done so far um Anyway, I didn't luckily, and <laughs> we ended up um, falling pregnant. Um, the first, the first um, attempt, sort of the first embryo they put back was mm-hmm. um, that was a that was really tough, you know, finding out that that wasn't successful. Right. I had um, I was away for work. I was in Portugal, um, wow. and not not in like a not on holiday. I was I was there for work, and I. Um, obviously you've got that I think it's a 12day wait um, mm. after they put the embryo back um, and I had bought a whole bunch of tests to um, to do while I was there because I was feeling positive I was like this is this is going to be it um and not really thinking about what it what would happen if it was a negative result and the fact that I was in a different country there for work. Um, you know, I hadn't quite thought that through. Yeah, was, no one it's, not, it's not it's advice. No, shame.
0: <laughs> yeah, shame. Um, yeah.
1: so I got that negative test um, about an hour and a half before I was starting a two day client workshop. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I wouldn't recommend that. No. Yeah. Um,
0: and had the doctors no. had, had they sort of at all done any sort of mentally preparing you for for the fact that it's like, likely that the, the first one won't take, or did they kind of tell you that, look, be prepared, or were they very positive um, as well and like, no, it should? And...
1: I, no, they were, to be fair, they were very pragmatic and they okay. were like, uh, you know, don't, don't go crazy. You know, it's our doctor spoke a lot of like the cumulative success rate. So at the end of however many. I don't know what the details were of that, but um, he spoke of the fact that, you know, there's, there's a lot of steps that have to happen and to get, to fall pregnant on your first go is, is just sort of shortcutting that whole process and that would just be so lucky. Um, so it was it was all my own fault. I hadn't managed my own expectations.
0: No, shame, um, but I mean, of course you would. But <laughs> you do hope for the best. Yeah. And you never want to find out the, neg- the negative. You don't want to see the negative sign when you really are hoping for a positive. So shame, exactly. yeah. And then um, you went on to have the positive results. So how long after did you have yes. to wait for a period of time, or could you just um, wait back so we tried?
1: It? Yeah, we tried the very next cycle because we okay. had um, at the end of all of the um, embryo or egg collection and the um, the. Um, embryo development and all of that. At the end of five days, we had four embryos and they froze. So we, the very next cycle, we put another one back and, um, we fell pregnant with that, which was, um, mm. obviously, um, you know, exactly what we had hoped for, but we had also prepared a lot better for that. Mm. Um, we were, we knew we were going to go into, um, into the, the doctor's rooms the, the next morning. I think it was a Monday morning, we were supposed to go to the doctor's and that was gonna be day 12. Um, and I, I just said to Marlon, I can't cope with having a stranger tell me this result and then um, and then having to sort of go to work straight away. So mm-hmm. can we just test today and even if it's negative because it's too early, at least then I'll get used, to, I'll get a negative result in my head and I can have today to cope with it and sort of pull myself towards myself. Um, and so we weed on the stick and then I just I freaked and I, could, I couldn't look at the, the test myself. So I jumped back into bed and he was sort of waiting there with the timer. And I'll never forget like, I don't think he knew what to say because I just heard him go, "Um," and I thought you would you wouldn't do that (laughs) if it was negative, (laughs) Um, and so, um, and so yeah, that was that was great. And then to be able to go to the doctor the very next day and get a blood test and get that sort of that hormone reading for them to say that it's at the right levels, that was amazing. You know, just to have that double triple confirmation. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. So
0: you must have been really early at that point. Um so then Yeah, because you... you're even
1: Yeah, because you haven't even had your you haven't even missed your period yet yeah. at that stage. So yeah, you right you're the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um sorry, you asked the question and I interrupted. No, no, you. that's
0: fine. No, that's perfect. Um so then you, you went on to get your first scan, and was that just even more of a relief to sort of see you know, It was
1: and it was, um, I think, so the, the fertility clinic that we went to, um, you stay with them until 12 weeks because mm-hmm. um, they need to sort of monitor your hormone levels to make sure that baby holds mm-hmm. and stays put. Um, so that first scan was was so surreal because it is so tiny and then, I mean, it, you can't see it. The doctor points out to the little spot and you wouldn't find it yourself. Well, I wouldn't at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then to hear a heartbeat, you just think, how is, how is this real? Like it's, it's, it's something that you imagine for a long time and something you hope for for a long time, and, but you never actually think about what it feels like when it's real and true. Um, and so you kind of, you hear a heartbeat and you're like, oh, 'm <laughs> <A heartbeat.
0: laughs> <laughs> there's sure, cool. um, actually something loving. yeah, exactly yeah.
1: because it's yeah. exactly, and you can't feel anything yet and you can't see anything yet, and so it's all just theoretical at that stage, mm. you know yeah Absolutely.
0: um well then, so how was the sort of beginning stages of your pregnancy um did you have symptoms, did you get nauseous?
1: how did that all look? I was um I I was quite nauseous. Um, I don't think I I think maybe I was sick four or five times max. But um, the nausea was definitely there, um, and just really really tired. Um, that was probably the extent of my symptoms. The worst that I experienced. Um, because the, you know, obviously, then that fatigue comes back in the third trimester, which is mm. quite tough as well when you're so heavy. Um, but yeah, I was I was really just nauseous, which I felt like I could manage quite easily, um, or relatively easily if I just stayed full and ate all the time. Sparkling water became my new best friend because it sort of it fills you up and takes away that empty feeling that often yeah. makes you feel so sick. Um, I had I actually had a colleague at work who. Um, Somehow, and I wouldn't have called it a craving, but there were things that I could confidently, like I knew I could eat without feeling sick more than I wanted this thing, I was desperate for it. Um, And Thai green curry was this thing that I was like, I know I can eat this and I know I need to eat something other than toast and salty cracks. (laughs) Um, So at least let me get some variety into my diet. And I think in the space of about three or four weeks, I ordered that, I ordered it on Uber Eats, truly about 12 times. (laughs) And one of my colleagues at work, he was like, um, I don't, I don't want to make you feel like you have to tell me anything, but I just want to understand why you're eating so much, <laughs> simply Asia. <laughs> um, so he, oh, no, so he found out my secret quite early, so I had oh, to okay. do a quiet uh, <laughs> reveal around the corner and sort of swear him to secrecy. Um, but yeah, a bit of nausea, um, really tired as well, um, I think I was going to sleep maybe at like six seven o'clock at night because you hit that wall at like oh, yeah. three or four in the afternoon dragging yourself to the end of the day um yeah but that was yeah that was about the the worst of it and then you get the glory that is the second trimester um and i i wonder i was i've been talking to my friends about it and i wonder if it's because like do you actually feel great in the second trimester, or do you just relative to the first? do you just <laughs> feel normal true. again and that just feels given me
0: <laughs> that's very yeah. true yes yeah. <laughs> you're right actually um, so did you find out the sex of the baby? I just actually wanted to ask as well
1: we did um, we went to do the um, uh, I think it's the anatomy scan. Um, yeah. Anomaly scan, one of those. Um, at, I think it's at thirteen weeks, um, just to check that everything was fine. And one of the measurements, the measurement that they do at the back of baby's neck, was a bit, um, a bit thick, and they were a little bit worried about his risk of, um, of Down syndrome. And mm-hmm. so we did the, that sort of follow up blood test, yeah. um, and we added in the, um, the gender as well. So we knew from pretty early on okay. that it was a boy. Okay. Um and I had I had sort of felt I wasn't fussed either way. Um obviously both of us would have been happy either way. Um but Marlon was convinced it was a girl and he was so oh. excited about it being a girl. Oh okay. shit. His whole family <laughs> his family had all um like all of his cousins and aunts and uncles and everyone in his family are men. Um, And they hadn't had a girl for ages and ages. So he was hoping for a girl. um, And he got a boy. um, (laughs) But he's happy either way, obviously. Yeah,
0: yeah, of course. Shame.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) when you
0: fell pregnant and um, sort of when you started thinking about birth and that kind of thing, did you start doing any research? Did you do any classes or courses or did you – know exactly what model of care you wanted from the get-go, how did that all look?
1: Um, well, I had, I had sort of assumed that I would just do what pretty much everyone does, or well, everyone that I know does, is they sort of stay on with their gynae, mm-hmm. um, if they're an obstetrician as well, and um, sort of go to hospital to, to have a baby. And um, I was like, oh, that, well, that's how you, that's how baby comes, so that's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that was the plan. The beginning of my pregnancy, probably uh, the first, I would say up until about 50, 30, 30 weeks, 28, 30 weeks, I was with my um, my gynae. And, um, and I, I was very comfortable with that decision. I sort of thought, um, you know, what I wanted was a unmedicated vaginal birth. That was the plan. Um, and I sort of felt like there was good, there was a good vibe between myself and my gynae because she would let me um, try for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I, at that stage, I didn't f- sort of wrap my head around how weird that language is, you know, that, she would have some sort of um, control over the, the, mm-hmm. the sort of choices I made um, when bringing my baby into the world. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as part of the fact that I wanted that kind of birth, I knew that I would need some sort of support and um, coaching through it. And so we got a doula and we uh, signed up for hypnobirthing classes. Okay. And um, on. On the drive home from our first hypnobirthing class, Marlon and I both said, "Like, I think we're doing this wrong. I think, I think we're, I think we're making the wrong decision for us, um, because everything about what what the the teacher was saying, or the instructor, whatever you call her, well, everything she was saying about how um, how birth has become this." thing that needs to be medicalized and needs some sort of medical intervention um, and medical management um, versus it being the most natural process, um, you know, there could be. Um, Like all of that rang true for us and felt really right and real for us. Um, And that's not to say that if you choose to do it another way, there's anything wrong with that either. It just, it didn't feel as comfortable as it had for us. And so we decided to to make a change. And instead of, um, instead of sort of our pregnancy being managed, the pregnancy and birth being managed and sort of overseen by, a gynecologist. We got a midwife, um, and we moved our care to Genesis, which is a birthing center in Joburg. um And it's all sort of midwife-led. They they believe in sort of letting your body do what it needs to do. And um, obviously, with the support of um, of the midwife there, and paediatricians and obstetricians there in case um, you know you need any anything else. So. Probably, and I mean, it was late for us to switch over. Wow, I, I, were they happy to somewhere take in my head? Or were they? Yeah, excited? it was it was touch and go. And <laughs> I think if if I had been sort of a week or so later, they would have said no. Okay. Um, and I had to do a couple of extra tests with their with their just to confirm that I was a low risk pregnancy and um, and that that they could take me on at that stage. Because ideally, you know, you'd be with them from day one. But I think. I feel like we switched to them at like thirty one, thirty two 32 weeks. I think, I think, I can't quite remember, but yeah, it was quite late. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's amazing that you had the courage to actually go to someone completely different for those last few weeks to really, because you knew what you wanted, which is, yeah, no, that's, that's really great. Um.
1: Yeah, and I think it, it really just takes someone telling you something that you know deep inside. Mm. Um, you know, the minute, the minute our teacher said whatever she said, um, actually, the, the exact words she used were, um, why, why do we treat birth like a medical emergency? You know, um, why are we in a hospital? The only time you go to a hospital and you're not sick is when you're having a baby. Um, and it was, it was things like that, that kind of made me think, course, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just felt right and real for us. So, yeah. um, that sort of gave us the conviction to make a change that late, because I am very risk averse in life. <laughs> so for <laughs> me to make a change like that was significant.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so what did the last couple weeks of your pregnancy look like then? Um, how were you feeling? And yeah, obviously COVID was starting to come (laughs) into play. Yeah. So how did that look? Um,
1: so we, um, I was, I was feeling pretty good. Like the the tiredness had come back, but that felt more like a physical tiredness more Mm. than that. I need to sleep. It was more just, I need to sit down. Um so that that came back, but I tried to stay really active and um, I was doing a lot of um, pregnancy yoga mm-hmm. and um walking a lot and um, we walk our dogs in the mornings. So I'd been trying to stay quite active and so I think that helped me feel sort of still fairly fit and good um, physically. I hadn't put on a lot of additional weight over and above the baby itself. So Although you do feel heavy and it pulls in places that are new, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I felt okay. Um, yeah, we we had our baby shower. I think I was about thirty six weeks when we had our baby shower. and and um, that was the last time that we saw people because the very next, I think the like the Wednesday after that. And we, we sort of put ourselves into our own lockdown. Um, It just felt, it felt like lockdown was coming anyway. Um, But we felt like at this stage of the pregnancy, we just, we didn't want to take any chances. There's no real interest to be out and about. So, um, so we started our lockdown probably um, like the middle of March, yeah, second or third week of March, um, and so the last couple of appointments um, and checkups with the midwife were, you know, everyone was wearing a mask, and mm. it was starting to get a bit, um, a little bit more sketchy, yeah, and not quite as Um We were lucky though because I think we were, he was born just before. I think all of the hospitals and all of the, the doctor's rooms had changed all of their policies about okay. um, dads coming or partners coming. And so we literally got in by the skin of our teeth. And we were really lucky to do that because I can't imagine um, oh, no, like I the women think. who've had to birth, you know, alone or you know, right. their partners have had to leave within a couple of hours. It just sounds horrific. It
0: does. Were you able to keep your doula
1: or was she unfortunately not allowed? unfortunately not um for two reasons um firstly because of covid they weren't allowing anyone in but partners and no visitors either um but also because um we ended up changing the birth plan quite significantly um yeah which we'll get to yes
0: we will get to um yeah so just maybe backtracking slightly or kind of jumping Mm -hmm. to a different topic um once you had decided to go with Genesis and the midwives, had you completely flipped in your mind as well about how you imagined your birth and how you wanted it to turn out and had you kind of, um, felt, did you start to feel a lot more strongly about your birth Then um, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so I got fully immersed in the, the hypnobirthing thinking and, um, you know, that sort of positivity, the affirmations, the the comfort and the knowledge in, um, you know, the fact that your body is made to do this and, um, you know, changing language from pain to pressure and getting out of like the pain and adrenaline and panic and fear cycle into, um, you know, a much more positive and um, powerful space. And I was, I was in it. I was, I was like, I'm going to rock this birth. It's going to be... The most intense thing I've ever done, but it's going to be amazing. Um, I was I was excited about it, and I and I actually would use those words with Martin and say I'm excited for this. I'm looking forward to it. Not it didn't feel like something I had to get over. It wasn't like a hurdle between me and my baby, you know. Um, so I was feeling really good about that, and. Um, Doing all the things we needed to do, doing the affirmations. Um, I had been um, using the the no thing because I was like, "There's no way that I'm tearing." Like I was, I was fully totally so so in it, prepared. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> so prepared. Um, and I mean, I think like I was so I was so in that way of thinking that I had. To I had all the conversations with the baby to say, uh, because he hadn't, he took really long to turn. um, And my midwife was a bit like, we need to, we need to do some things to get this baby to turn around. Mm. And, and I was there, you know, with the, doing the, the, Lying in the bath and having conversations with my baby, and saying, "I need you to turn around," and like having these long chats with them. And he turned around, and I was, I was 100% in it. I was like, "This is gonna, I'm gonna be the poster child for hypnobirthing. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna put me in their hypnobirthing training videos." That's what's gonna <laughs> uh, happen.
0: Yeah. Well, then. Um, yeah. You want to sort of take us to when everything mm-hmm. started to change and. Um. Yeah, his birth. So you can just check yeah. out through all of that.
1: Yeah. So um. So we got to um, forty weeks, and um, we had to go. I think a day or two after forty weeks, we had to go in for the uh, the stress test, something like that, mm-hmm. um, where they just put put you on the monitor for a couple of minutes. I think they have to get like baseline readings of heart rate and stuff like that for the baby. Um, So we went in for that. And unfortunately, although he turned, he still hadn't dropped yet. And my midwife was saying, um, in all of the years that she's been a midwife and all of the pregnancies she's she's looked after, um, at this stage for a baby to not have dropped by Um, I think I was 40 plus three at that stage. Um, She doesn't feel particularly confident that he will drop. Um, And she said, just start to float the idea of a C-section in the back of your mind because they can't induce labor if he hasn't dropped. That can be really dangerous for myself and for the baby. Um, And so essentially the the two scenarios here are I go and he drops and I go into labor spontaneously in the next sort of eight to ten days, or um we go with a C section. Okay. And we were also there on the sort of precipice of COVID becoming really intense. And I I wanted to try and minimize our how do I say this? I wanted to try and and have as few surprises as possible. Hmm. So I thought, you know, if um if this baby doesn't want to come on his own um you know i'm going to give him as much chance as I can for for him to be ready and do this himself yeah. um but but at some point you know we also have to we have to get involved potentially. Yeah. and so um so we went away and we spoke about it, and we decided um we would give him another two days and then we would um, Going for a C-section if he hadn't come by then, Um, and so we ended up having looking in for a C-section at uh, forty plus six, so almost forty-one weeks. Um, And in all of the hypnobirthing preparation, um, you know they are they are quite careful and quite good at making sure they um, they also prepare you for things not necessarily going the way that you want to, yeah? And mm-hmm. so if um, you, you never have control over what happens during birth, and so um, you can prepare as much as you'd like, but, um, you know, it's important to also be open to the fact that things could change, and, mm-hmm. um, and this is not necessarily something you can control. And so with that in mind, I sort of um, took the next couple of days to get my head around um, the fact that, that we were going to birth this baby differently, um, and it would still be beautiful, and it would still—it wouldn't take anything away from who I was as a mother, and you know how I was going to be as a mother. Um, and so, so I went in that day, and I was so excited. I was jazzed. I was ready to go. And I was like, literally counting down. Like, can we go yet? Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Eventually, we got to the hospital. Well, we got to um, to Genesis. And um, and I don't know what happened then. Um, the only thing I can think is well, what was the trigger for it was the surgery was meant to be at three o'clock and we got there at whatever time, a couple of hours before to settle in and do all the paperwork. Um, and in my head, I was preparing for three o'clock mm. and um, and about just after two, our midwife came in and said, all right, well, uh, the doctor's here, the needed here, the nurses are here, so let's go. Let's go right now. Oh, wow. And um, and because it's it's such a small sort of facility, um, something about, so because it's so small, you know, you can just have the flexibility to say, well, we're all here and the theater's open, so let's, let's just go. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, just sent me off the edge, because we we walked, I walked from my room across the passage <laughs> into the theater wow. um, and and then I just went off a cliff um, yeah. and i I just freaked out, and um, it was the most intense fear and panic i've ever felt, and it was. It was It was something i couldn 't control. it was something i couldn 't rationalize in all of the preparation that i'd done, like mental and emotional and physical preparation i'd done since birth. everything went out the window and um, and it was the first time that I felt fear like completely take over your body like i was I was shaking so much so that the um, the anesthetist and the nurse actually had to physically hold me down to put the epidural in because I couldn't keep still. Um, and I kept saying to them, I'm sorry. I, I literally, I can't stop. I, I don't know what's, what's happening. And it wasn't, it wasn't from the, you know, they hadn't, sometimes those drugs make you shake. Um, and I hadn't even had any of those yet. Totally your body's um, response. Oh. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a complete like panic response. Um, and I think <laughs> it just sort of, it escalated because Marlon had gone in another door to go and put scrubs on. Um, and he walked into the theater and looked at me and saw the fear on my face. Oh. And then I see his response to me and I freak out even more. Oh. Um, <laughs> which was just, I mean, it was just, um, it was wild and and I thought, let, can this just be over really, really fast? Because I, this is, I wish that this could be an experience that I could revel in and mm. sit here and prepare and get excited for the fact that I'm about to meet my baby. But I was just like, I just want to be out of this room. I just need to be away from these people. And, um, and it was, it was insane. Um the anesthetist was phenomenal though. She, I don't know if, if, I mean, obviously she's, she's had people react like that before, but she responded so well to it and she tried to distract me. She tried to talk to me and she realized that I wouldn't be able to talk back to her and have a conversation with her. And so she started talking to my husband, which became really calming for me because mm-hmm. I could concentrate on that and not at the on the chaos that was going on around me. Yeah. Um, and I think the... What I really what really disappoints me about how the whole thing went down, um, you know, what ended up happening was the fact that um Marlon the the doctor told Marlon to sort of turn around and look at, look um at the baby because he was busy pulling the baby out. Um and I couldn't even think to think to tell him like what does he look like? You know, like, tell me about it. I couldn't even do that. I was just in another world. And, and Marlon sort of left um, to go, they took Ezra out and they went to go and weigh him um, and just sort of give him a once over and Marlon came back with him and held him in my face. And I just sort of looked at him and I felt cold and it was on some level in the back of my mind, I was like, this is, not what the first moment with your baby is meant to feel like. Same. Um, I was just like, oh, there's my baby. Yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know what? At the end of the day, um, almost four months later, um, that is such a tiny, tiny um, sort of moment in all of the moments that we've had. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't matter, but... um, That's a a nice way to look at it. But um, Yeah, it's just, I wish that the first moment wasn't like that,
0: you know? yeah, of course. Yeah, that's really hard. And, I mean, even though you say it doesn't matter, I mean, you will never forget that moment. And it will always be a little bit of a... not as happy or or the feeling that you were expecting to feel. Um,
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, um, you know, a lot of people say um, when they hear the fact, okay, so let me rewind a little bit. Um, So it turns out that actually the C-section was the best way, um, the best thing, um, Mm -hmm. the best decision that we could have made because he was really, really big. And Mm -hmm. in midwife care, they don't um, they don't do heaps and heaps of scans. And so you don't have a very good gauge of how big the baby is, except for her sort of feeling or your tummy. Yep. Having said that, I, do, I think that the sort of calculations that the scans do aren't particularly accurate mm-hmm. either. But he was a very big baby, he was 4.2. Okay. Um, and he was quite long as well. Um, and his cord was really, really short. And so in all likelihood, which is why he hadn't dropped, and in all likelihood he would have gotten stuck or something like he would have gone into distress and we would have had to end up in an emergency yeah. C-section anyway. Yeah. Which so was it way. was, it was the best. Before. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, uh, when people would say afterwards or when they hear that, you know, well, that's the most important thing that you guys are well and safe happy. And it is the most important thing, but it's, it's not the only important thing, mm. you know, it's, um, because as you say, I will, Marlon Anna I will always remember, mm. um, that that's how he came into the world. You know, it wasn't this moment that was bathed in light and glow and, you know, mm. the angel singing. It wasn't that. Right. Um, and maybe, maybe it was naive to believe that it would have been, um, you know, even if we'd got the unmedicated vaginal birth that I'd wanted. Um, but I think that perhaps I was almost over prepared for the version that I was hoping for and planning for. Mm. And you can, you know, you can tell yourself that no, I'm going to prepare for this and I'm going to think this way and I'm going to, you know, align the universe in such a way that this is going to be my reality. Um but if you do no preparation for the other for the alternative like you end up in a in a dark hole like i did and and i thought that i had done enough preparation you know i'd taken a couple of days to sort of bid farewell to to what i thought i was going to have and sort of mourn the fact that i wouldn't have that experience and get excited about the one that i would have um but unfortunately i was i was still very underprepared for, for that, for what ended up happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same. No, that's, that's really hard. Really hard. Um, And then once you had, once he was out and um, they stitched you up and obviously he was a healthy baby otherwise, am am I correct? Mm. But he was fine. Okay. Perfectly healthy. Yeah. So once they had stitched you up and healed you back into recovery, how did you sort of feel then once you got to really hold him for the first time? And, um, did you try and feed him? How did that look?
1: Yeah. Um, so when they wheeled me back, Marlon had taken him to our room and they were doing skin to skin. So they'd had, I think almost an hour of skin to skin by the time I came back. Okay. Um, and, um, and they put him on me. And um, so that we could have um some skin to skin and we could try and I could try and feed him. Um, but I was there were so many drugs in my system that I was just sort of I wasn't really aware of what was happening, and I had to get Marlon to come and stand over us and hold him on me because I wasn't sure that I would be able to hold him and like, I might drop him, he might sort of slip down the side. Um and I'd say probably for the first like five or six hours, I was just feeling really out of it. Like mm. I wasn't quite sure where I was. And um, I didn't feel, I just didn't feel a hundred percent present, which yeah. you know, you'd really love to in the first yeah, hours of your days. Um, and I remember for the bulk of that stay that we were there, we stayed, I think three nights. Um, and the bulk of that stay, um, and I'm, I'm going to reveal myself here, but I think it's really important that I say this because i would never heard anyone else say this before, and so it made me feel like I was like something was wrong, um, because you know people often talk about this like wave of love that they feel the minute they lock eyes with their baby, and you know instantly their whole world had changed, and I didn't feel that. I, you know, I felt like, okay, this is my baby. He's here. Like, I got to do this. I got to be up at three a.m. and I've got to be up at four again and I've got to up at four again and I've got to feed him and I've got to drink enough water so that I can and all of those things. I was completely ready to do for him, but it felt like it was just this thing that I had to get on with and not this like outpouring of love. And maybe, and I'm I'm pretty confident that it was a a response to both all of the medication that was in my system, but also sort of a, like that survival response, you know, you don't feel emotion mm-hmm. when you're in shock. You just feel like I've got to survive this. I've got to live through this. Um, and so that sort of emotive part was just shut down for a while. Um, and at the back of my mind, I kept thinking, this is not how you're supposed to feel like in you know, day two of having a baby. Everyone tells you, you're supposed to feel this, like, you know, you're on a cloud and you're all loved up and you know, you're um, in this love bubble. Um, and I had to keep on telling myself, just give yourself a few days. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll feel better when you're at home in your own space. Maybe it'll feel better when all the drugs out of your system, um, I was also sort of thinking, is this, is this what like the start of postpartum depression or anxiety feels like? Is this, do I need to be keeping an eye on this? Cause this feels a bit funny, Like I'm not used to feeling like this. Um, and so, yeah, so that was sort of the overwhelming theme for like the first two or three days, I was just sort of getting on with dealing with this baby. Um, and And then, all of it changes, you know, and I, I think it was once I'd had a bit of time to to come back to normal. Mm. Um, and he makes weird faces when he poos, and that's really cute. And you know, like all of those all of those things make you make you start yeah. to feel a little bit different about it. And you're like, all right, you're quite nice, you Um, yeah, it was just I think it was important for me to. Acknowledge the fact that um, I didn't feel that big wave of love. And, and that's the only narrative that I'd heard before, that that's what you feel. Mm. And I didn't feel that. Um that was quite and,
0: confronting for
1: you, yeah. Yeah, quite confronting, because, and I had to say to Marlon, like, do you, do you love him yet? <laughs> or are we just obliged to do this? <laughs> Is it just me? Um, and, and to be fair, um, one of our friends always, um, always told Marlon the most useless thing in the world is the dad of a newborn. Um, <laughs> and Marlon, you know, it, all he could do is take care of me. Um, and he was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I call it love yet because he, he keeps me awake and I don't get as many cuddles <laughs> as he does, So it's hard. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's obviously all changed now. That's very different. Yeah, now.
0: Well, that's good. And you're feeling all right now, and um,
1: yeah, 100%. Okay, that's good. yeah, all good. All good now. It's um, it's he's now the end of next In about a week's time, he'll be four months old, and it's now we're starting to get into the really fun stages. I think, mm. um, and I'm sure there's more to come. But he interacts so much more now, and yeah. he's got a little personality. exactly Exactly. you can start to see coming out um and so that's a lot a lot of fun you know you don't feel like you're pouring and pouring and pouring into Mm -hmm. into this bucket Mm -hmm. and not getting much back
0: (laughs) oh that's so good thank you so much you spoke beautifully and thank you for being so open and honest and sharing uh your side of the story and everything it's really brave. And, um, like you said, not enough people speak about that. And I think there are a lot more women who feel the way you felt and they just don't admit it or they don't, no one asks them those questions or they just feel bad to admit it. And so, um, yeah, thank you so much for doing that. I think it's really great. It's such
1: a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you. Also, I said this in, in, um, before the email, but thank you for sort of creating this platform for women. Um, yeah. I was so obsessed with birth stories while I was pregnant. And I think it's so important um, because, you know, every every doctor or midwife or nurse will tell you that every, every pregnancy is different. Mm. Um, and you think that, that that the range is quite narrow, um, but actually the way that people experience it is so different and so varied and the same, Obviously for both and and everyone's baby is different, different as well. And yeah. the more stories we hear, the less we feel like, you know, um odd like one out. Absolutely.
0: Well, you told a beautiful story. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank um, you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Megan's episode. I really hope that this episode can resonate with a lot of women. I think that she really touched on a few points that are very important um, and not many women hear of these stories and a lot of women feel alone in these certain situations so yeah we hope that you uh, were moved by her story and learned some things and um, yeah thank you for listening